again, to set the stage, Christ died. The disciples went through the most traumatic experience they've ever experienced. You remember the trials we talked about? They put him on a tree. They whipped him before that. They ripped his flesh off his bones. They stuck thorns in his head. They hung him naked to, to die. They pierced him in his side. He died by our sins. They put him in the tomb, and the Bible says three days later, he got up. Now, the disciples were still shook. You got to think about what they were feeling. Their leader had just been captured, beat, tortured, ran through a, a, a kangaroo trial, a fake trial, and killed. The man they saw turn water into wine, killed. The man they saw raise the dead, they were there when he went to Lazarus's tomb and said, Lazarus, get up. They saw Lazarus get up. So now to see that this guy who told them that he was going to be king, who told them that he was the Messiah's dead, they were like, they're coming for us next. And the Bible said they went and hid. Not just the 12. It was about, it was a, it was a, it was a core group of disciples. The 12 were the main apostles. But the Bible talks about in Acts about 120 or so who were kind of like, the posse. The Bible says that the 12 had ridden, ran and they were hiding in a room. So I can think them with the shades down, not eating. Maybe some of their family members slipping by and giving them some food, making sure they're not followed. Will you follow? Because the Roman soldiers were looking. And the temple soldiers were also looking. So imagine them hiding. And the Bible says at this time, for some reason, Thomas wasn't there. I don't know if Thomas was like, I got to get some fresh air. <laughs> I don't know. The Bible says that Thomas dipped for this time. Verse 19 says, when it was evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, peace be with you. Now, just that verse itself could be about an hour-long message. If you think about what's happening, what conditions are the disciples in? They're fearful. Fear had taken over their body. And not just a fear that, you know what, something don't feel right today. No, there were people actively looking for them to kill them. So that was straight up fear. They were huddled together. They were together in a closed place. The Bible says that the door was locked in fear. Have you ever been like afraid, like really afraid, like really scared? When I was little, I, there was time I used to get really scared. I, um, I don't know if this is weird or if this is a thing, but when I was younger, this happened to me a couple of times I got older, but when I was younger, I would sleep. And sometimes I'd wake up while I was sleeping and the room is pitch black and I couldn't move. So I don't know if I was sleeping or not. And I would feel like somebody was in the room behind me. And I knew if I could just turn around, I would see somebody. 
the presence was there and I could not move. My body was frozen. And that was some fear. <laughs> it used to happen, I don't know, maybe like six or seven times when I was a kid. I would be so scared. And I used to just remember my grandma, and I don't even, I don't even think this is biblical, but I remember my grandma used to say, please the blood of Jesus. Nah, I don't think anywhere in the Bible that says do that. But I used to be like, blood of Jesus, please. <laughs> and I used to pray. I used to say, Jesus, I, if I could just move. Jesus, if I, so I don't know if I was asleep, if I was in that, what's that middle sleep? I don't know what it is. I don't know if I was in that middle sleep or whatever. But I used to get so scared. And I used to just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And it seemed like forever. I couldn't move. I couldn't. I was like, just get up. Just get up. Just get up. Olu, just get up. Just get up. And I could not move. I don't know if it was 30 seconds or if it was five minutes. But then finally, I'd be able to move. Fear. That, that's, that's, a, that's a fear that I felt over my whole body. The Bible says the disciples were in fear. But the next word says, with the door locked, Jesus came. The Bible says, as they were in their fear, Jesus came. The Bible says he came and he stood among them. They were there in their fear. One of the most traumatic experiences they've ever went through. And the Bible says Jesus came and he stood among them. In their fear, he stood among them. In their pain, he stood among them. And then he said, for the most wonderful words of all time, peace be with you. I had to count to make sure it was four. He said, peace be with you. In the midst of your fear, in the middle of whatever you are going through, the Bible says, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. In this world, you're going to have hard time. And, and fear is part of that. In your fear, know that Christ will stand with you. And he said, peace be with you. Verse 20 says, having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Now, another scripture says that they looked and they thought they saw a ghost. Now, remember in John, how many times did Jesus say they're going to kill me and I'm going to rise? He said like four or five times, right? He was telling them, hey, guys, listen, this is what's about to happen. The Jews are going to come. They're going to kill me. I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise again. So just chill. Hey, guys, real quick, before we go, just a reminder, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise up again. So just be cool when it happens. Hey, guys, real quick, this is about the last time I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Some soldiers are going to come. They're going to take me. This day before, the soldiers are going to come. They're going to take me. They're going to kill me, but I'm going to come back to life. Got it. It happened. They freak out. <laughs> they, they, they freak out. They have no idea what's going on. They're scared. They're locked in a the room. They don't know what's happening. It's like they forget what Jesus said. And so the Bible says when they saw him, they thought it was a ghost. Remember, they were already in fear. And so Jesus said, to show you I'm not a ghost, check, check this out. The Bible said he showed them their hands. And they saw where they pierced those spikes through his hands. And the Bible said he lifted his shirt up and showed his side. 
and they saw, because remember the last time they saw him, he was dead on the cross. And he lifted his shirt up and he saw the pierce in his side. The Bible says once they saw that, oh, this is, this is him. He's back. And the Bible said they rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, verse 21. After saying this, he breathed on, I'm sorry, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they will be they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Jesus told him, peace be with you again. And then he says this, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. What was cool, what was interesting about Jesus was that the disciples are in fear. Jesus shows up in their fear and he says, peace be with you. They see that this is truly Jesus. And the Bible says they rejoice. So they go from fear to Jesus showing up, to rejoicing. The very next thing Jesus says is, as the Father God has sent me, I am now going to send you. There was no time for dillying. There was no time for dallying. Jesus, I'm sorry, you had to translate dilly and dally. I, 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 <laughs> that's terrible. There was no time to be messing around, all right? <laughs> no time for that. You got it? Jesus, they went from fear to peace to rejoicing. And Jesus said, now is the time to get to work. Once Christ frees us from our fear, once we leave that place of suffering, once we leave that place of pain, once we understand that the reason why we were able to leave that place of fear, that place of pain, was because Christ showed up in our lives. Once we're able to rejoice, it is now time for us to go to work. Jesus said, just as God sent me, so send I you. Now, when I read that, or as I read that, it doesn't really hit me the magnitude of that phrase. Just as God has sent me, Jesus said, I'm sending you. So those who Christ has freed from fear, from pain, from suffering, those who Christ has introduced his peace to, those who are rejoicing, understanding that Christ is the one who freed them from their pain, their suffering. Christ said, just as God sent me, I send you. So just as means all the characteristics and all of the purpose and all of the list of things that I was supposed to do, that God sent me to do, I am now looking to each one of you to do that. Wow. What did Jesus do? Well, why did God send Jesus? Well, we saw a couple of weeks ago that God sent Jesus to declare the message, repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. So if God sent Christ to come down to tell the world to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said, the reason I came, I'm about to send you to do the same thing. 
So that means it is my responsibility to go into the world and say, repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? That means repent because Christ is king. That means Christ is king. Christ is God. He has set his way, and we have decided to go our own way. And so Jesus came to remind us, oh, there's God. He has a way. You looked at God and said, forget you, God. I'm going to go my way. Because of that, the wrath of the creator of the universe is upon you, upon you. And the Bible says that you are dead in your sins. You are separated from God, and there is no peace between you and God. So Christ said, I came down to tell people that you can have peace. You can have forgiveness for your rebellion against the holy God if you put your trust in me. That's why Jesus came. That's our responsibility now to go tell the world. The Bible says that Jesus came, John 1, says that Jesus came to tabernacle amongst us to show us God. We, didn't, we never seen God. We heard about God. Jesus came to show you God. Jesus said, the reason I can come and tell you about God is because I was just where the Father was in heaven. And I've come down from heaven to earth to tell you about God. Jesus said, everything I came here to do, I am now commissioning. I am now instructing. I am now sending each and every one of you to go do. So now, my responsibility, because I said, okay, God, I'm not going to go my way anymore. I'm going to now follow your way. God, I was in my own fear. I was in my own sin. I was in my own destruction, the Bible says. You came in my life and brought peace. I rejoice because of the peace I have now in you. And now, Christ, yes, I'm going to do what you said. He said, everything I came to do, your responsibility. So now my responsibility is go into the world and show the world God. When they came and cussed Jesus out, how did he respond? The Bible said he didn't say a word. The Bible said he didn't retaliate. The Bible said he didn't say, oh, yeah? Well, watch what I can do. Oh, you want to go there? Well, I can go here. The Bible says that as he moved around the world and they begin to curse him and disrespect him, the Bible says that he remained calm and only said what God said. He showed them God when others came against him. Jesus said, because you were fear, I brought you peace. Now that you rejoice in the peace, I am now commissioning you to do everything I came to do. So that means in the world that I live in, when folks come against me and disrespect me and harm me and hurt me and go at me, I am supposed to respond like God responds. Why? Because I am now commissioned. Y'all know what commission mean, right? It's a military word. Is that just true? Commission? I've been, there's a mission I have, there's a mission, and I've been co-missioned. So there's a mission and co, that means I'm hooking up with somebody to fulfill this mission. And so I'm commissioned. There's something I have to do. Jesus has commissioned us to do everything he did. So there my response to those around me has to be as Christ would respond. That's tough. 
That's hard. The Bible says that Jesus came to earth to show us that we could live a sinless life because he was sinless. There's a law, and we have broken the law. So Christ came down to show you he's a fulfillment of the law. He did not break the law. He said, oh, it can be done. Watch me. Now, the only way he was able to be sinless, the only way that he was able to not break any of God's laws, the only way he was able to do everything the right way every single time is because he was connected to the Spirit of God. 24-7. He was connected. He was in tune with God's Holy Spirit. The Spirit said, move left. He said, to the left, to the left. The Spirit said, to the right, bet. To the right, to the right. Whatever the Spirit said, he did. Every single time, he was commissioned to do that, to show you that if you were surrender your life to God, that he will give you his Holy Spirit, and with his Holy Spirit, you will have the power to make the right decision every single time. Christ said, because of you were in your fear, and because you were in your pain, and because you were on your way to hell, I came into the room with you. And I said, peace be with you. And I brought you my peace. As you accept my peace and rejoice at the peace I brought, now I'm going to send you just like I came. So because I came in this world to live a life that was sinless and live a life that was holy and live a life fully controlled by the Holy Spirit, I'm commissioning you. I'm signing you up. Here's a sign-up sheet. Pass the sign-up sheet around. Once you sign that, that means you're signing up to live a life being led and controlled by the Holy Spirit 24-7-365. Now, in my own strength, that's not hard. In my own strength, that's not difficult. The correct word, in my own strength, that's impossible. In my own strength, somebody's getting cursed out. In my own strength, I'm not going to say what I'm supposed to say to that person right there. Ah, I should tell them about Christ. I really should introduce Christ into this conversation, but ah, suppose, suppose he don't want to hear it. Suppose he don't hear. Christ said, why are, you, why are you fearful? I stepped into the room with you. You, you, were, you were in your field. Your doors are locked. I get it. But I stepped into the room. You remember that, right? You remember when I stepped into your life? You remember when I brought peace and I said, peace be with you? I'm here. When I was little, when I was with my pops, it was nothing because my pops was there. So no matter what happened, if anything went down, anybody showed up look shady, my pops was there, and he was Superman. He was Batman. No, nobody, could, nobody could be my pops. So I'd walk with my chest high, stomping as I walked because my daddy was with me. Christ said, why are you in fear? I'm, I'm here in the room with you, and I'm not your daddy. I'm the king. Your daddy may have failed you. I'm the king. Your daddy may have disappointed you. I'm the king. Your daddy might not have been around. 
I am the creator king, and I stepped into your room where you were in fear and pain and suffering, and I brought you my peace. No need to fear. He said, in the world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I already beat this thing. I've already, I've already overcome because I'm the king, and he proved his kingship by dying and raising again from the dead. The resurrection solidified him as king, and so he commissioned us. And the last thing, the reason, and this is, this is, this is a hard one, Christ came to die. He came to sacrifice himself for you, to sacrifice yourself for me. Remember the God's way, and we decided I'm not going to go God's way, I'm going to go my own way. And the Bible says, because I rebelled against God, the penalty for rebellion is death. That's the penalty. You got to die. If I walked up <laughs> to, to the, the, the president, I don't know if I should say this out loud, <laughs> If I walk up, that shouldn't say it, don't say it. <laughs> if I walked up to a king, let's say a king, a, a general person, think if I tried to attack a king in another country, what's going to happen to me? Dead. Think if I attack a king. If I, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go against that king. What's, our, what's, the, what's the Russian president name? Putin. Putin. I'm rolling up on Putin, right? And I'm just going to go, and, we gonna, and I'm just going I'm, I'm to take him out. Ready, set, go. Yeah, that, that's not happened. The KGB, I don't even know if they said alive. But that's going to be an issue. The rebellion that we had against God, the penalty for that rebellion, because God is king and God is creator, the penalty for the rebellion is death. So Christ came and said, I don't want Hector to die for his own rebellion. As a matter of fact, Hector is so bad that his death won't even be enough for his own rebellion. Because the penalty against a holy, righteous God, so only a holy, righteous man, human, can die and pay that penalty. So Christ came to die, to sacrifice himself for those around him. He said, because you were in your fear, because I brought peace, because you can rejoice in my peace, now I am commissioning you. The mission that I'm on, I am co-inviting you to co-operate with me or to co-with me. And I'm commissioning you to die. That's my responsibility now is to die. We got a problem with death. We don't want to breathe. Hold your breath. Everybody hold your breath. Okay? And when you hold your breath, hold your hand up and tell me when you, when you have to finally breathe, put your hand down. Let's see who will hold their breath the longest. Ready, set, go. Right now, you're holding your breath. Your lungs are starting to burn. Your body's like, why are we doing this? And pretty soon, it's just like, okay, I can just stop because this is ridiculous. And you're still holding, and you're still holding, and your lungs are starting to burn. And it's like, just breathe. See, your body won't let you hold your breath to die. We fight death. We fight it. We want to live. We don't want to die. Dying isn't fun. X, you still going? X still going. <laughs> X is yeah. X passes out. Watch this. Boom. X took it way too serious. We don't want to die. The body doesn't want to die. The body will fight. They say you can't drown yourself. You can't jump in the water, like, 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 like regular water, like, like in, a, in, a, in a tub and just go like this. Like your body will be like, nope, we coming up. 
because we don't want to die. Jesus came to die. He said, I'm now commissioning you to die. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, therefore, based on all God has done for you, you were in your fear. He showed up in your fear. He showed up in your pain. He showed up in your rebellion. And he said, peace be with you. He offered you his peace. They had to receive it. That's the other thing. He said, peace be with you. I'm here to bring you peace. They could have said, nah, I don't want your peace. I like my fear. I like my pain. I like my suffering. I like my rebellion against God. I know he's king, but I like to rebel against the king. I want to see how far I can go. Jesus said, no, I'm here to bring you peace. You have to receive it. And once you receive that peace, Christ said, now your responsibility is to co-mission, co-join my mission. And my responsibility, as God has sent me into this world, so I send you into this world, I'm sending you to die. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, therefore, based on all God has done, present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's two backwards words, living and sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. For this is, Paul said, the least that you can do. And so I am to live dead. You ever, said, you ever tried to have an argument with a dead person? Doesn't, doesn't work. You ever seen a dead person lie? You can't. You ever seen a dead person sin? You can't. They're dead. Paul said, my responsibility now is to be living dead. Dead to my sin, dead to my fear, dead to my pain, dead to my rebellion against God. But alive in Christ. Paul said, that's our responsibility. We can't do that in our own power. That's why the very next thing Christ did, look at verse 21. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. After saying this, the Bible says, he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. The only way you can join this mission with God, the only way you can die to your rebellion self and live in Christ, the only way you can operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, operate in with the power of the Holy Spirit, the only way that folks can curse you out and you give them Christ back. The only way all your decisions can be bathed in the guidance of God is if you have the Holy Spirit. After God, Jesus told them that I'm commissioning you to do everything I did, he said, I'm not going to leave you by yourself because in yourself is impossible. So I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Bible said that Jesus standing there in the room, in the room that they were just standing in fear. The Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the whole breathing uh, and the receiving the Holy Spirit thing, the whole breathing thing has, has a lot of history. 
In Genesis 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, and the earth was out form of void. And the Bible says that when God created man, the Bible says that, let me look at that. It's Genesis chapter 2. He said, God formed man, and the Bible says, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. Breathe. God breathed, he took some clay, and he made the shape of Adam, and the Bible says he breathed. That word breathe is ruach, breath. And that word there, uh, uh, that word ruach is the word for breath or spirit or wind. The same word here in the New Testament, when the Bible says he breathed on them, is the same word in the Hebrew in Genesis when the God said uh, that God breathed into Adam and he became a living being. You see, because in our fear, in our pain, in our suffering, we're dead. You know the story in Ezekiel? Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel was a prophet, Old Testament, a long time ago. And God would tell Ezekiel to do certain things to give his people words, what God wanted them to know. So one day God sent Ezekiel to this valley and with a bunch of bones, a bunch of dry bones all over this valley. And Ezekiel like, God, why you bring me into this valley of, of dry bones? And God said, told Ezekiel, this is Ezekiel chapter uh, 37. He said, I will put breath in you so that you will come to life and know that I am the Lord. So this is what the Lord said. He told Ezekiel, I will breathe on you. What's the word again? Rock. He said, I will breathe on you and you will become living. So to show you what I mean, Ezekiel, go to this valley. And there were bones. There were dead people. Back in the day when they used to kill, people used to die, just take them, throw their bones in the valley. And the bodies, and they would, bodies would decomp, decompass. Comp, what is the word? Decompetate? Is that it? Decompose. Thank you. <laughs> I don't get it eventually. The bodies would decompose, and the skin would go away, and nothing would be left with the bones. And so it was a big valley with nothing but dry human bones. And God said, because when I breathe on you, my spirit will give you life. Ezekiel, go to that valley, and I want you to breathe on the dry bones. And I will send my wind from the east, from the west, from the north, and the south, from the four corners of the earth, and I will bring my wind... What's, what's the Hebrew word for wind? Ruach. Remember, it's spirit, it's breath, and it's wind. He said, Ezekiel, ruach on these dry bones. Prophesy on is what he said. He said, and I will ruach. God said, I will ruach, and I will send my ruach onto these dry bones, and they will be given life. Let me read that so you can hear from the scriptures of what happened. Ezekiel 37. We're going to close. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Here we go. Ezekiel 30. Oh, yeah. Ezekiel 37, verse 7. 
So Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as I had been commanded. And while I was prophesying, God, bring your ruach over these dry bones. God, send your ruach, send your spirit, send your wind, send your breath over these dry bones so they will come and be given life. The Bible says, while I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones begin to come together bone to bone. And as I look, tendons appeared on them. Y'all know what tendons is, right? That's the thing that start joining the bones together. Tendons appeared on them, and the flesh grew, and skin covered them, and there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the Ruach. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breathe. Ruach, come from the four winds and Ruach on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the Ruach entered them and they became and they came to life and they stood on their feet, a vast army. I would have lost my mind if I would have saw that. You in a valley of dry bones and you prophesy and say, God, send your Ruach over here. And all of a sudden the bones start to move and connect together. Then tendons start to show and then skin forms. And then they stand there and you're fully human, human body sitting there, but they're still dead. And then God says, send, prophesy and ask for my Ruach to come. And the Bible said he sent his Ruach and those things that were previously dead, those dry bones received the breath of God, the spirit of God and got up and said they were a vast army, a big army of spirit Field people. In John chapter 7, Jesus is talking and he says, anyone who believes on me, as the scriptures have said, will have streams of living water flowing from deep within them. He said this about the spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the spirit for the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. He had not yet died. He had not raised and he had not been glorified. Guess what happened in, in, Genesis, in uh, John chapter 20? He had died already, he had risen already, and he had already been glorified. And the Bible said, so he rocked on them. Just as he did in the beginning of creation. Just as he did for those valley of dry bones. He breathed on them, and the Bible said they received the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they were co-missioned to go do something. That's why in Ezekiel, it was a vast army ready to go to work. We have been breathed on. Those of us who have accepted Christ's peace, those of us who are in our sin and our suffering and our rebellion and our fear and have accepted Christ's peace when he stepped into our room, we said, yes, I will take that peace. He then said, now, because of what I've done for you, I am commissioning you to go do everything I was supposed to do. Now you have to go do it. And I'm not going to send you by yourself. I'm going to breathe on you. So what you see is not just a regular old dude. What you see is an Olu who has accepted the peace of God, who God has breathed his spirit into, and now I'm commissioned to go. Because of the co-part, that means together. That means I represent God. That means I represent Christ, so I have to act accordingly. The things I can't say, why? Because I'm commissioned. I'm with God. The things I can't do, wow, I can't go there. We all go there. Why? Well, because I'm with God. I'm commissioned. 
There's things I can't do, I can't say. There's a certain lifestyle I have to live. Why? Because I'm commissioned and I've been given the power of the Holy Spirit and given the edict by Christ, the king himself. The king called me. The king commissioned me. I'm co with the king. Paul also says that once we become one with Christ, we become co-heirs with Christ. That's the word again, co-heir. That means everything that Christ received because of his obedience, I can now receive because of my obedience to Christ. That's the significance of the resurrection. Christ said, I have to die. And John, I have to die and I have to raise and I have to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. And he will teach you all things. So, church, those of us who accepted God's peace, Christ's peace, by accepting his peace, you have all been commissioned. It comes with the peace. <laughs> it's like, you know what, I'm going to accept the peace, but I'm not the talkative type. I'm not a person who likes to, you know, I'm not really out there. I'm kind of behind the scenes kind of person. No, no, no. You accepted the peace. You're not commissioned. Well, my personality is nobody cares about your personality because your personality died. Remember that? You died. Living sacrifice. So my personality died, so now my personality needs to mirror what? Whose? Christ. Because he said, I'm sending you the same way I've been sent, I'm sending you. So that means with the power that Christ had, I have that same power. That means with the authority that Christ had, I have that same authority. So when I see things going wrong, when I see sin, it's my responsibility, like Christ did when he walked into that temple and said, nah, this ain't how the temple's supposed to be. I have the power of the spirit. So some of these tables are getting flipped because this is wrong. Christ said, I'm sending you to do the same thing I am. So when you see sin, when you see stuff ain't right, you're not supposed to, well, you know, that's their life, that's their choice. No, you stand up for the truth. Oh, no, by the way, you, I love you, but you're wrong. I love you, but you're going the wrong way. I love you, but you're rebelling as the king, and I'm here to tell you like Christ did, the kingdom of God is here. You need to repent of your sins. But that's not my personality. Good. That personality should be dead a long time ago because now I'm putting on the personality of Christ. That's what I'm doing. I put it on my Christ personality because I accepted the peace and I accepted his hope and I accepted his love. So I put on the Christ personality. So now what you get 24-7, 365 is Christ. That's our responsibility, church. To walk as he walks, to talk as he talked. Why? Because of the peace he gave us. Because he ended the war. He ended the rebellion. And the resurrection says, because he's king, now I'm commissioned. I'm now part of him, cold with him. And now I have to live like he said. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you did for us on Calvary. We thank you for the resurrection, Father God. And we thank you that you stepped into our room. You stepped into our fear. You stepped into our pain. You stepped into our suffering. You stepped into our rebellion, Father God. And you said, peace be with you. You offered me your peace. We thank you, Father, for giving us the opportunity to accept your peace. We thank you for all that comes, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. We thank you for all of the, the power that you've given us, Father God. We thank you for the hope that you've given us. But I pray, Father God, that we will follow the commission that we will be true soldiers. We will be that vast army that Ezekiel prayed and those bones took on flesh and took in your spirit, Father God. I pray that we, as followers of Christ, Father God, 
follows the way, Father God, that we as a church will be that vast army with your personality stepping out into our world, talking like you, living like you, being like you. Thank you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.